Good morning to all. Yeah, I am going to reflect again um, today on uh, Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, I know um, John has already spoken on it, and, but even so, as, as I've been praying and reflecting about Isaiah, I, I felt led to, to come back into this, this same chapter. Um, and uh, my aim is to draw a parallel um, with uh, the picture of the servant that we see in, in Isaiah here with uh, Jesus and specifically uh, looking at what uh, the blood of Jesus uh, means for us today. And um, yes, I'm actually glad that it's, uh, it's a communion day. It's, I think it it's really ties in well for us to be reminded of... Uh, what is it um, about the blood? Uh, some uh, observers or some um, Christian critics uh, think about Christianity as a bloody religion. Um, in a sense, of course, uh, uh, our history as, as Christian, there's been some uh, bloody, ugly things. But at the same time, um, there's also reflection on uh, the blood of Jesus and um, Christian coming together to drink the the blood of Jesus, and so Christianity is is a bloody religion. But understanding is for us uh, looking at the blood, not in a sense that the world look at bloody in sense of disaster. But what is it that um, God? wanted to use the picture of, of a blood for something um, so powerful. Why he, he is God and he is uh, all-powerful, um, why didn't he choose some other thing? What do we as believers today um, need to get from the pictures of, of the blood? And, um, and the book of, of Isaiah... Um, Especially this this chapter um, fifty three really uh, reflects on um, Jesus coming to be that uh, servant who is then uh, going to shed his blood for for humanity. And I like the way uh, John introduced the uh, the book of of Isaiah in um, in our website and in the, also in in that thing, how do you call it, that booklet that we get every, every Sunday. Yeah, it's looking at it as uh, Isaiah is a voice from the past and speaking into the future. And we see that so vividly in, in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah starts um, with a very unusual, unusual way of, of starting a book. It it's starts with, with a question. And I think that there is maybe uh, something meaningful in the way that this chapter starts. It's like, who has believed what has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord has been revealed? So this, this chapter begins with, with a question. Who has believed 
what has heard from us. And, and, and maybe one of the challenge I, I want to put to you today is maybe also asking questions and, and sending us uh, away today with, with, with questions. Um, what does the blood of Jesus actually mean for us today as, as we reflect on it? When, when we take communions uh, so, so often, um, how, what are the spiritual implications of taking communions and reflecting on the blood of, of Jesus? How does that affect my life on, on day to day? And so he, he, this, this chapter begins with, with this question, who has believed what has heard from us? It's, it's because what the, what the servant is described in, uh, in the book of Isaiah is, is something that is not rational. It's something that you would not understand. And uh, John has already given us some, some introductions to, uh, to the book of Isaiah, and I'm not going to spend that much but give us some few ideas like the, the book of Isaiah is sometimes known as uh, a mini Bible or a Bible in miniature. So you, like all of the structure of the Bible you can actually find in, in the book of, of Isaiah. And some people call it, call Isaiah as uh, the St. Paul of the Old Testament just because uh, the prophecy in, in Isaiah they are so vivid, so uh, precise that for us of being people of the New Testament today, it's, it's somehow it's like Isaiah was there already reflecting on the life of, of Jesus Christ. It's, it's striking. But at the same time, for the people of Israel, the prophecy of Isaiah is also uh, connecting them with their past connecting them with uh, their traditions. And before the coming of, of Jesus, they have some of the practice already, uh, especially the sacrifices uh, that they have to go through uh, year after year. So the book, the book of Isaiah is, is really uh, for, for the people of the, the Old Testament before or during the time of, of Jesus. They see in it something that's, that connects um, in their life, and Isaiah has ministered probably for at least 40 years, and he's, he's seen um, probably the four last kings of, of Judah when Israel was divided into two um, different kingdoms. And, um, and we're so familiar with some of the passages inside during Christmas, uh, there's carols and some of um, Christmas songs and been drawn from it. And um, so uh, the book of Isaiah is, is actually one of the very known prophecies even by, by the Israelite. And of course, prophecy is something significant for the Israelite as, as a nation because the nations of Israel itself is, is built on prophecies. Uh, the foundations of Israel is, is prophecy since the time of Abraham. Uh, it's been prophecy after prophecy. This is, so Israel coming to be, uh, to be a nation somehow is fulfillment of prophecy that God has, has spoken to, to Abraham, that uh, you are going to be a nation, and then uh, 
you would multiply and and you're not going to be a nation on your on on your own but you have to be a special nation so that you would be a blessing for for other nations so this idea of prophecy it's is so much um in the dna of of the israelites because everything that happens for them uh it was something already uh, predicted somebody already something already said by by god and so when the israelite would hear isaiah speaking his his words and so somehow it's it's not something strange to them it they can identify um with it and um chapter 53 especially would probably for them uh recall the idea of um why do we have to offer sacrifices every day or every year uh for us so the idea is that Israel as a nation chosen by God and and established through the prophecy by God Israel has to be a special nation because God wants to use them to to bless other nations and so for them to be special is to be different and being different doesn't mean that all of them they have to dye their hair with a certain color or in in being as a nation god was what inviting the israelite to have different ways of doing things thinking differently and the israelite by themselves of course they not they not able to make themselves different so it is god who has to provide the means for the israelite to become a different nations and so that's why god has given the law to the israelites and so very different law and so that is to form a nation in a such a way that they they would become a light to to the nations and a reflecting of of being different is a religious term for it is, is god is calling the israelite to be holy and because god himself is is holy but of course being being sinful as as israelite um it's impossible for them in in fact i think i think that the, the israelites they they had quite a tough life uh, in a sense that god in his in his holiness has chosen to dwell with them to live with the israelites even the way that they were camping and moving to go to the promised land god wants to be in their midst but but the problem with that is the presence of god is so holy that when it comes into contact with something that is not holy it's just die you know sin or unholiness cannot mix with god and and i'm reflect reflecting on on holiness of god here in in a sense of uh the the awesomeness of god that that anything um uh, 
that those who reach the standard of God cannot, cannot get in, in contact. And so for that, the Israelites, they, they have a difficult, really, task to make themselves being able to have God as their neighbor. You know? Because again as, as, and again, as we look into, we read into the Old Testament, like being neighbor with God is that just fire just appears and then everything burns down. This is what the presence of God is. So uh, if you're looking as Israelite, if you're looking to buy a house, you will not necessarily go to the neighborhood of God. He, he is so holy. And so how do you cohabit with God? How do you live next to them? And God has to find a way so that his holiness would be compatible with this sinful Israelite. And so one of the ways that God provided for the Israelites is that they have to offer sacrifices. They have to uh, go through the sacrifices of blood. And then when God looks at their sinfulness, then God doesn't see the, the, the sin, but he sees the blood of the sacrifices, even though it was, it was temporal. But at the same time, God wanting the Israelites to be, to be different in order to have effect on other nations, to be light to other nations, also an invitation of God to the Israelites to be a powerful nation. To be a, a such a powerful nation that other nations would be really amazed by who is the God of these nations. You know, what is making them to be, to be powerful? And of course, God wanting the Israelites to be, to be powerful, it is not powerful in a sense that we understand today. Sometimes what, what God reflected on Israelites to be powerful, it's looking at us as a human, it's, it's appeared to be very stupid. The way God is inviting the Israelites. And, and the book of Isaiah, especially, is recalling what the Israelites have experienced, for example, in, in Egypt during the Passover. A lot of reflection has been done on, on Isaiah uh, chapter 53 and, um, and looking back to God taking out the Israelites out of Egypt. But before that happened, there's been some series of God demonstrating his power to common people like Aaron and like Moses. But the ultimate thing that God did uh, for Israelites, that God wanted to show the Israelites that you are a different nation. And you have to be different. And the way I want you to be different is by... Um, Causing you to obey some of the stupid things I want you to do. And for the Passover is what God asking them. Of course, they were already used with sacrificing animals. And God invited the Israelites because there's going to be the spirit of death, if I can put it that way, coming to strike down uh, the enemies of God, the firstborns of, of Israel. And... The way that you're going to protect yourself is to 
take the blood of, of the animal that you're going to kill and then put it on the doorpost of, of your house. That's going to be your protection. As you can imagine the Israelite going like, yeah, great. We know that the blood is, is really an amazing shield. It's, it's going to protect us. Yeah, there is nothing like that going with, with, with the Israelites. It's, so how? how they've seen oppression in, in Egypt. They've seen suffering in, in, in Egypt. And seeing Moses coming to, um, to rescue them. And then Moses with Aaron demonstrating this amazing power of frogs or I don't know, thunder. And all of that did not scare out the uh, Pharaoh. Did not scare out the, the, the Egyptians. So how come the blood would actually protect us from, from the spirit of death? No, but, but God, God is showing to Israel, and yes, if you want to be a powerful nation, this is what you, you, need, you need to do. Whatever stupid thing I ask you to do, it's just do it. And so we see then when they cover uh, the entrance of their houses with the blood, and then the story tells us that the, the the, uh, the angels of death and come and pass, and whenever it sees the blood, it just passes. Doesn't, it doesn't affect them. And so, it is definitely not the blood that protected them. It's, it is. It's somehow, it is the blood that protected them, but it is their faith in the word of God that if we actually do what God is telling us, that this blood is going to become something much powerful. And so coming back again to, to the introductions of, of, this, of this chapter, that who has believed, and, and John men, mentioned this as well when, when he was talking on it, it's like when a Jesus was there on the cross and uh, a savior of the world, on the cross. How can you be a savior of, of, on the cross? Why are you not even able to protect yourself from, from, from Roman soldiers? How, how can you save the world? There he was, hanging on a cross. Yes, I am the savior of the world. Right? It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's so stupid. So how can you save the world by dying. But it, it was in there, in, in that stupidity, that was actually the wisdom of God on, on tri- triumphing over death in a way that the enemy would not even think about. And so uh, for us as, as Christians today, as we reflect on um, the Passover of, of the Israelite and um, how having covered all their doorposts with, with the blood, it established something in their lives as, as a nation. Yes, we are a powerful nation, but not because we have military might, or not because uh, we have so well organized, we are such a powerful nation 
because we have God telling us what to do, even when it sounds irrational. And so the people of Israel then start actually walking with that, with that identity as different people, and by just obeying what God is is telling them. Uh, Imagine going to the first time as they go to conquer uh, the promised land, and here they are facing Jericho. You know, and then they have some torches, and then they have some horns to to uh, blow some horns or whistles, or, or, or how you you want to call it. Yeah, we're going to war with torches and 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 whistles, right? But this this is this is who they are as as a nation. It's not the whistle that's going to bring the the war of Jericho down. But there is something in there because the one who asked them to go with just torches and whistles controls the world. And so there is nothing that he would say that would not happen. And so they went and then walking around uh, the wall of Jericho and then the wall came down. And so... Connecting it again with, with Jesus being on the cross, and then he's, he's been insulted, and, uh, and they, they strike him as much as possible, and here he was hanging on a cross. And then he was even taken into the grave, like, it's finished, there is nothing else, that's, that's the end of the story. What else can happen? And then on the third day, and Jesus was coming out of the grave and resurrected. And so, who can believe that? Who can imagine the Roman soldier that's standing there uh, trying to master Jesus and, and the king uh, questioning him? Today? Do you say that you're the king of the Jews? So, who would even imagine that three days later, then he's going to come back from death alive. No one would, would, would imagine it. But here he was insulted, but because of the sacrifices, because of his blood that was shed, then he was not able to remain in a grave and he came alive. And as if that is not exciting enough, the disciple of Jesus, then they start now believing in him and then reflecting on the thing that he said to them. And then they start going about in Jerusalem and then they start speaking to people in the name of Jesus and then miracles begins to happen. And they were not giving them medications. No, they were speaking the word of Jesus, and this is how this this miracles is happening. What is it happening in there? And and the writers of the Old Testament again reflects on the cross of Jesus, reflect on the blood of Jesus, and so 
my reflection to us today as we, we look into uh, Isaiah chapter, chapter 53 today that describe this sovereign servant who is going to come. And then for us as New Testament believers, we know that this was talking about, about Jesus. But are we, are we fully actually grasping the meaning of the blood of Jesus who shed for us? Are we taking advantage of it? Are we actually consider ourselves powerful enough just because of the blood of Jesus that cover us? And and Jesus says that uh, this is this is my blood and this is my my body that I give to you. And then do this so often so that you would remember what it means. And so I I want I, I want us to to, to take a, a bit some some minute to to reflect why why did Jesus really say these things? to the disciples and to us that we always need to remember his blood. We always need to remember his, his body. Do you, do you consider yourself a powerful person in the world? Because this is what we are called to be as Christian in the world. As the Israelites were called to be stupid, powerful people, our calling today, because of the blood of Jesus that washed us, that covered us, we are called to be powerful people in a way that when we speak on things, when we speak in, into situations, people just would look at us as if we're going insane but in what we are saying, it's actually power of God in it. When, when we, we are sick, we, we go to the specialists, we go to, to doctors, to physicians. Nick, Nick is, Nick is, is, is studying here. He, he, he understands that. So if, if you're dealing with, with sickness... And you go to specialists and he would give you medications. And you will not ignore the medication that uh, they've given you because they know what, what, what they're And so the medication that they give you is, is to make you well. So the medications somehow has the power to go and conquer the sickness that is in you. And spiritually, the blood of Jesus has this power to conquer anything that for us as a believer we come face to face with. And three points I want to suggest to us to, uh, to finish this with. The blood of Jesus gives us access to the intimate presence of God. Because with the Israelite, only the high priest has the authority to go into the Holy of Holy once a year, only after he's offered sacrifices for himself so that he will not go and be killed by the presence of God. This is what happens when the, the high priest goes into, into the presence. He has.
have a belt in his, his, in his leg, dragging into, into the holy unholy. And so when they realize that it's, it's been a while, we've not heard any noise, it means that he's dead. The presence of, of God is killing us, let's put it this way. But here we are in the presence of God. Why are we not dead? Because of the blood of Jesus. As a human, we're not allowed to come to the presence of God. We would be dead people. But because of the blood of Jesus that has covered, that has washed off, we have access. And the Bible says that, therefore, brother and sister, since we have confidence to enter the most holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that it is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilt and conscience and having our body washed with pure water. This is, this is in, in, in Hebrew. And so, because of the blood of Jesus, we have access to the intimate presence of God. It, in, it, it means that if, if there are things, depending on how much you're intimate with God, there are things that God would even reveal it to you, the thing that he wants to you that no one has heard it before, he would reveal it to you because the blood of Jesus gave us access to that intimate presence with God, this most holy being that ever existed, we have access to him. You know, that for me, that, that is enough, uh, a powerful privilege that we have as, as Christians. God, who controlled the worlds, give us full access to him. Do we? Actually, take advantage of that. The second thing I want to submit to you is that the blood of Jesus empowers us to overcome the enemy. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Him here is the serpent, the ancient serpent, is Satan. And they have overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love not their life unto death. The ultimate enemy of human being, of course, is death. And we've seen in, in the story of the Passover that because of the blood of the Lamb by the door, the, the angels of death was not able. And so for us as believers, God through the blood of Jesus, has, has given us authority over the enemy. And so it is through the blood of Jesus that we overcome the enemy. And, and I remember when, when we, um, we were still in, in Cameroon, the, the spiritual reality in, in Africa is so different. And you can see a bird flying over your, your roof. You're thinking it's a beautiful bird. It's actually not a bird. It's a demon. And so we were so used to 
every time, every day, when, when we go to sleep or you buy something, we always pray over it. We go to bed covering ourselves with the blood of Jesus. And, and my kids grow up. Jonathan is, cannot buy a fruit in, 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 in the market and just eat it. Even when we go to buy clothing in the market, we cover it with the blood of Jesus. And because the, the expressions of Satan is so vivid that the meaning of the blood of Jesus, is, it takes a different turn for, for us. And this is what I want to bring it to, to us today. When we take communions, when we reflect on the power of the blood of Jesus, do we actually think about it, the meaning of it? If, if I'm struggling with sickness in my life, do I actually think about speaking out the power of the blood of Jesus over the sickness? Is my understanding of the blood of Jesus powerful enough, yet stupid enough, actually to trigger the faith that is in it? If, if, if I'm struggling with, with cancer, do I, not, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, saying here, don't go and see Nick as a doctor. That's not what, what, what I'm saying. Go and see doctor to examine you. But do I actually have faith to speak into the cancer is that you, you cover your body with the blood of Jesus that it will wash away the cancer. So the next day you go and see the doctor and then the doctor says, actually, the cancer is gone. Do we look at the, at the power of Jesus that way? And, and, and if, if we don't, maybe we need to revisit why do we take communion? When, when, when I am approaching the table of Jesus, am I approaching it with faith that Jesus, I'm taking this communion, of course, with, with gratitude that I, I want to be grateful for what, what you did for me, but also I am struggling with this in my life. Would you please cause the power in your blood to take away this from me? And, and there, are, there are a lot of testimony of people who, by taking communion in that spirit of faith, they've seen, like, uh, breakthroughs in their lives. And so these are the things that we already know. But I think it is important for us to be reminded, to review the things that become so familiar to us that we don't sometimes, we don't really Think about the impact of this anymore. Because it's, 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 it's become so common to us. But the blood of Jesus, it is powerful. It is powerful that you're having a nightmare that you cannot speak at the night. And then you begin to apply the blood of Jesus in your room. On your bed. And you begin to apply the blood of Jesus in situations that you're not able to control. Because this is what the blood of Jesus is meant for. It's given us the power over the authority of the enemy. It is by the blood of the Lamb that they overcame Satan.
It is by the blood of Jesus that Satan was not able to remain in the grave. This is our inheritance as Christians. The blood of the third things that I want to submit to you, the blood of Jesus equip us to serve. It is just because we've been washed that we can become a special person like the Israelites are called to be a special nation so that they would be blessings for other nations. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 and 14, the blood of goat and bulls and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean, sacrifice them so that they are unworthily clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself, unblemished me to God, cleans our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. See, the blood of Jesus cleans us, cleans our conscience, and then we are declared worthy of serving him. Sinful that, that I am. This, this is, by the way, this is, this is the reflection of Isaiah. Like, when God called him, he's like, oh, how sinful I am. How can I be a servant? How can I speak for God? We're not worthy to speak for God. We're not worthy to be called his sons and daughters. We're not worthy to be his ambassador. We're not worthy to, rep- to represent him on earth. What makes us to be worthy is because of the blood of Jesus that has covered us and that we can stand here as citizens of heaven and it gives us authority to speak to people who are not Christian to say, you are missing out something because I have experiences and it is worth exploring. It is the blood of Jesus that gives us that clean conscience that we can speak out to people who don't trust God. How do you think you're different than me? What what makes you different? What makes me different than you? It is because the blood of Jesus applied to me. That makes me different. That makes me special. And that is why I can speak to you, inviting you to come and explore our citizenship. And uh, I, I have been in a process of becoming a British citizen uh, for a while. And uh, sorry for you, you're you going to have to do with me for a while. You know, uh, you stuck with me now. So in, in a process of becoming a British citizen, there's a lot of things that I have to learn. What is it to be a British? Right? And there are my obligations and, and there are some rights and, and, and there are this and that. I had to read some of the kings that I have no idea. It's quite an exercise to become a British citizen, right? Life in the UK test is, is an incredible thing. I learned a lot about the UK. But my reflections on that is, is that this is a serious business to become a British citizen. Then if I call myself as a citizen of heaven, do I actually know 
the rules and the laws of heaven that apply to me as a heavenly citizen. And I think one of the things that set us apart as heavenly citizens is the blood of Jesus. And I want to, to encourage you to, to again and again reflect on the meaning of the blood of Jesus for us as believers. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that your blood make us to be citizens of your kingdom. And as we're going to be taking communion today, Lord, I pray that it would take a different meaning to us. And that the blood of Jesus, we would, we would have a different understanding of what is it to approach the table and to reflect on the meaning of the blood of the Lamb. I pray that through your spirit that you would continue to print these things in our heart that we would seize the power in the blood of Jesus. Amen.